The New Statesman. Hello and welcome to the latest Spotlight podcast brought to you in association with Honeywell, the engineering and technology company. I'm John Bernstein. On today's edition, we're going to discuss energy saving in a cost of living crisis. To do so, I'm joined by Neil Brown, Global Product Manager at Honeywell, Gillian Brown, No Relation, Vice Chair of the Energy Managers Association, and John Cranefield, a Chartered Energy Manager and Energy Consultant. Welcome, one and all, to the podcast. With energy prices at record levels over the past year, schools, universities, leisure centres and businesses have all been hit by sky-high bills. As these higher costs are passed on to customers, the difficulties of the cost of living crisis have only been further compounded. The UK's net zero targets, however, may hold the key, not only to cutting carbon emissions, but also potentially to saving costs. Today, we're going to be discussing what organisations can do to save costs for themselves and for their customers while cutting energy use as they transition to more sustainable ways of working. What challenges do organisations face in making energy savings? What practical steps can they take? What hidden solutions could lead to lower costs and lower emissions? And what support can policymakers provide? Plenty of questions, therefore, so let's get to it. John Cranefield, if I can start with you, if that's okay. You've got plenty of experience in the hospitality sector in the UK, a pretty energy intensive business. Could you paint me a picture in words of how energy bills have changed over the last year in the sector and perhaps what businesses are doing to mitigate that change? Okay, thank you. So certainly, first of all, down to usage and cost, not talking necessarily specifics, but the costs have risen by 30% from last year in the organisations that I work with. And that's in organisations that sort of broker their energy, buy their energy ahead of time to maybe a lower cost than some. But it's 2022 to 2023, the costs have increased by 30%. But the actual budgets for most businesses working in 2023 would have been set some years ago. So back in 2019, we would have set the budgets or expected budget for the energy usage. The costs have risen by 112% since that budget was set, despite the usage actually being about 5% lower in units itself. So it's quite a struggle. And John, from a practical point of view, what does that mean in terms of passing those costs on to customers? We're quite restricted in hospitality in terms of passing costs on, as everybody in hospitality will probably tell you, because there's an expectation of costs. People know what they would like to pay for a a holiday in the UK, a cup of coffee in the UK, food in the UK. So you can only pass on very little costs of energy. In fact, a lot of the cost increases we have seen on our provision to guests is actually to cover the cost rises in the actual food products itself. So the food and beverage teams that I work with have had to increase costs, which to cover the increased cost of food and the actual raw product, whereas the energy cost has only been seen in a small increase to UK holidays, which would have followed the normal annual increase. So costs of holidays have gone up in the UK, but more just to reflect general costs as a whole, which will absorb some of that energy pricing. But energy pricing is something as a hospitality organisation you generally tend to have to try and absorb and, dare I say, hope for the best. 
<laughs> hope for the best. I'd, I'd like to bring Gillian and Neil into the conversation in a second. But John, just going back to that uh, hoping for the best phrase, I just wonder what are the mitigations you can put in place beyond just crossing your fingers? Yeah, I mean, it's not completely negative. Obviously, as an organisation, like many organisations, whether you're in hospitality or not, we're all looking at the future and reducing our carbon footprint, which is normally relates to reducing your energy usage. So we are the company I currently work for. We've it started installing on-site generation. So we are generating some of our energy in the business. We're looking at training the staff behavioural changes to try and reduce where we're wasting energy. That does only go so far again, though, because in hospitality, we need to be open, we need to be bright, we need to be an experience. For the guests, you can't just leave people sat in the cold and the dark. But we are certainly doing behavioural changes just to get rid of all that wastage. And one of the key items is identifying where that energy usage is, and that can be tricky in some large sites that I manage where you know how much energy you use and you just don't know where that energy is going. So we're, again, looking at different technologies, working with Honeywell, dare I jump the gun in the conversation to identify where our energy is going. Very good. John, for the moment, thanks very much. Gillian, can I bring you into the conversation? Does what John has been saying, does that reflect what you're hearing from the Energy Managers Association members? Absolutely, yes. I think across the board, there is a has been a massive shift in the issues that people are seeing with regards to the cost of energy going up. Um, it wouldn't be uncommon to see energy bills doubling, trebling, quadrupling in different organisations, depending on how far ahead and what sort of contracts you're in. For a lot of people, that is becoming very problematic. And as John said, and I would absolutely agree, if you provide a service, there is an expectation of what that service should either cost or how it's provided. And I think it doesn't really matter the sector you're in. If you are providing a service, that is it, these costs of those cost rises are now becoming problematic. I would say you have to walk a very fine line when it comes to the things that you're able to cut back versus the investment, because I think a lot of people still have an estate to run, things still go wrong, buildings still have problems, maintenance still needs to be done. And if the purse strings are pulled tighter, I would say that probably maintenance, unfortunately, as always, becomes key. Everything has to be maintained properly. And of course, maintenance, higher value maintenance does lead to better energy efficiency, but there still needs to be an investment. And I think people are struggling to get the capital to be able to invest I would say across the energy managers that, that we are involved with, and there's a very broad mix of energy managers from the hospitality sector, such as John, right through to the public sector, hospitals, schools, these types of things. So we hear different types of stories from different types of people. So yes, you're representing a whole bunch of people across the entire economy. Are there some themes that emerge, however, in terms of either mitigation or perhaps frustration? Both, both absolutely. Mitigation, what we are starting to see now is almost a kind of return to old school energy management. And what I mean by that is for those of us who have been in this job a long time, um, we started off doing fairly traditional things. So it was set points in buildings, understanding how insulated your building was, these types of things. And then more recently, because there has been a shift to trying to get rid of large expanses of carbon from your infrastructure, whether that be from your buildings or your heating networks or whatever. There's been almost a shift into something slightly more new and modern. But those obviously come with 
perhaps some risk just because maybe the technology is not as well tested, but also they tend to be slightly more expensive. So people are reverting back to things such as BMS set points, making sure that their staff are particularly well trained, these types of things. And you're absolutely right, there is frustration across a, a very wide spectrum People who do what it is that we do tend to be frustrated that you can never get enough money as much as you would like to invest in what it is that you would like to do. And with everything being squeezed, it becomes more problematic. But also targets never, ever seem to relax because you're having a problem. And I must admit, as an energy manager myself, the pressure to perform and to make sure your buildings are perform is probably one of the main reasons we do this. But there has to become a kind of cutoff point where we go, we can't always achieve everything that we would like to because we don't have the resources and things are just too expensive at this moment in time. Very good. Understood the pressure to perform. Neil, let me bring you into the conversation now. Give, give me a sense of what the past year has been like from a Honeywell perspective. And perhaps you can start touching on some of the solutions you've developed to help other businesses and organisations make those energy savings. Yeah, absolutely, John. Some some of Honeywell's key strengths, you're looking at digitisation, software and sustainability. Sustainability is obviously a focus going forward. And picking up on what Gillian said there about BMSs and set points and something that John said about behavioural changes, where we focused in the last year, we've we've been out and we've spoken to a number of customers, energy managers being a primary source of this. And both the people said that there is a distinct fear around energy price increases. These are hitting now. So we've been focusing on where can you actually make their job easier? Where can you look at reducing their energy usage and controlling it and giving better better insights to how it's being used? Within Honeywell, I work for a brand called called MK Electric, and a lot of people, if they look around their plugs and sockets at home, that they could see a little MK, an MK logo on sockets. And traditionally, for the last 100 years, we've been making sockets. Now, if you leave your home or if you leave a commercial premise, you very rarely you'll turn a socket off. It's really vital in in a commercial world to start considering where some of this energy goes and sockets plug in power they will take in excess of 25 percent of a commercial building's energy usage so if you can start harnessing that wasted energy by turning those sockets off when you leave a building there's going to be a distinct opportunity there to reduce your small energy power footprint and make savings as you move forward. That's distinctly possible. And the solution that we've come to market with is interlinking those socket, that socket capability into a BMS system. So you're going to give the energy manager there true insights around where their power is being used across a building. And once you've got those insights and once you know where your power's going, then you can start to manage it. You can start to schedule things to work in conjunction with a building. People turn lights off when they leave a building. They just don't turn power off. And that small power, as I've mentioned, accounts for 25% of a building's energy usage. Significant. Very good. Neil, I'll come back to you in a second. I just wonder if the other two guests, John first, then Gillian, any other hidden solutions to cut costs to ensure lower emissions? Is there anything that you can, John, that you're doing or that you're contemplating that might address this issue? 
With energy wastage, it is. It comes back to the point Julian Neil have said. I know we keep going around in circles, but it's making sure things are at the correct set point and they've been used correctly and switched off when not needed, not required. And things like the products that, that Neil's relating to, they really help because we are looking at a really big behavioural change campaign, as it were, at the moment. But telling people in the hospitality industry these are the items to switch off at the end of the day you end up with a very long list of items that need switching off at the end of the day and if you could automate those as well as understanding what energies go into those which items are really key to automation then that really helps the hidden things are just making sure people use the equipment correctly one degree difference on a heating or a cooling system can make a very big difference in your spend on that premise so it's making sure people understand the set points and why and understand the controls. Gillian, do you tend to agree with John's assessment? It sounds like it's about behavioural change unless you can automate those processes. I would agree. I think it really depends on your organisation. Obviously, places like the NHS that have a 24-hour-a-day service that becomes very difficult because there are, although there are proportional people that go in and out the office using a standard working day, large portions of the NHS are obviously running all the time. I would say I absolutely agree with John in that it is very much about understanding where power goes within your building or heat goes within your building. And I think we should have learned lessons from the COVID pandemic because during that time when buildings were shut instantaneously and people were removed that influence of power and heat was then completely removed from buildings and so from that we can then start to understand what is influenced by people and what is not influenced by people and what should be and shouldn't be influenced by people and I think by understanding what happens within your building there are some very key things that we can start to take forward and moving forward I think we can all appreciate this kind of transition into digital modelling, digital twinning, these types of things. And this is the key bits of information that people need to help that transition along. It's really interesting. Gillian, are you suggesting that we missed that opportunity that we could have been assessing, but we didn't quite grab the chance? I'm not so sure it's the fact that we didn't grab the chance. I think people were just really struggling and really busy. I don't think it was a missed opportunity. I think we still have the opportunity now. I have very recently written a journal paper for an academic journal about what actually happened during COVID and how that was influenced by people. So I think there's always opportunities to go back. Most energy managers hold information for a number of years so that we can start to understand what changes happen within our building. So there's always that chance to go back and look at it. But Obviously, at the same time, I appreciate that people are busy and things are happening in their building now that they have to understand, not just previous things that have happened in their building. So it is a real tricky balance to try and get it right. Very good. Neil, is there anything you want to build on in terms of what you've just heard Gillian and John say? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the way to address this, John's mentioned behavioural change. It's a really good way of of making sure that things happen. You can't rely on behavioural change. You can't rely on signage. What I think is you need a dashboard. You need the capability to see what's happening around you. And if that can be automated 
with schedules. Absolutely, I think that's the way to go. And schedules don't meet every requirement, certainly with our solution, which is called Connected Power. That's a retrofit solution that can be automated. But in essence, it's a socket. It's a socket that can be scheduled. But if you're outside of that schedule, you just treat it like a socket. You just press the button and turn it on. There's nothing scary about that. So that's the best of both worlds. You're automating whilst having control to override. And I think that's a great solution here. We're typically running out of time. There are two more questions I want to squeeze in if I can. Neil, I'll start with you on this one. And then John and Gillian may wish to respond as well. But I'm just interested... Do you have any particular asks of policymakers in this area? Could the policymakers be doing something to make everyone's lives easier? Yeah, I think so. If you look at other countries, I'm thinking primarily around the US here, you've got you've got directives, you've got things in certain states where you are enforcing people to shut down when things are not used. And that's becoming policy now in certain states over there. So something like that within the UK, where you leave a building and you know there's things that exist to shut the lighting down, but there's nothing really to mandate that you must do it. There's things like ESOS, which recommends that you understand your energy usage, but there's nothing there in my domain to insist that you actually implement something. No mandates at present. Quick hits, please, Gillian and John. Quick on this one, if you wouldn't mind, then we can squeeze another question in. Gillian, any policy wants from you? Absolutely. I think just strengthening some of the targets that are already there. I should be careful as an ex-government employee who did this type of thing. There's only so much I can really say about what actually what they do. But I would say that that a lot of it is advice and guidance. And I think it probably a lot more needs to be brought in with much more strenuous targets, but not just for new builds. And I think this is where the government almost lets itself down. Yes. There is a huge push in new buildings but we have so much of the old stock that needs to be brought up to a better standard and i think that's where they should maybe start to focus excellent john same question please yeah pretty much agree we need to strengthen the targets we have for carbon which links to energy reduction and again we all know that new buildings are going to be hit with ever improving regulations and as julian said it's the existing building stock that we struggle with it is a challenge how do you force somebody to upgrade their building we have the regulations that says when you do upgrade an item it becomes more energy efficient and you have to consider certain aspects of that but i don't know what the true answer is we do need to keep reinforcing it and making it more a set rule that you upgrade certain items to save energy reduce carbon but how yeah. to enforce it that's for somebody else very good one final question as i suggested and it's a sort of future looking question tell me where where this thing goes. What does the future look like in terms of energy efficiency for businesses and organisations? Are we just going to suffer in the same way that we've been suffering up until now? Are things going to get better? Are we going to get smarter? John, big question. I'll start with you. Short answer, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Self-generation. So businesses need to input what they can to reduce their energy consumption whilst creating their own self-generation through solar farms, wind farms, whatever your technology of choice may be and there's various funding options for that so it doesn't always need to be the business itself that absorbs a really large cost from the outset you can use a funding option to then become self-reliable not reliant so much on the grid and therefore you're not reliant you're not hit or impacted so much by price rises excellent Gillian same question future gazing please I would probably see digital everything is going to lie in the digital so whether it's digital modeling of buildings digital twinning of towns digital twinning of networks i think that's 
getting a real digital handle on how we consume, when we consume and why we consume allows us to do more with our buildings and understand our buildings better, which should in theory then lead to better energy consumption and management. Gillian, thank you very much. And Neil, the same question to you in terms of the future of energy. Absolutely. To build on what what Gillian said, digitization, I'll take it one step further and automation, things need to work together. You've got one building, why have you got four or five different systems controlling that building? You need one system to control one building. There's one failure point there, it's less likely to happen. Bigger savings with one system. Very good. That's all we've got time for, I'm afraid. Many thanks, Neil, Gillian, John, for joining us today. You've been listening to a special Spotlight podcast in partnership with Honeywell. My name is John Bernstein and our producer today has been Adrian Bradley. Thanks for listening.